Influencer Collective Show. I'm your host, Jen Sherman, and we have a very special guest on today, as per usual. But this one's extra special because she's also our amazing production partner to produce these shows, Molly Rowland. She is the CEO and founder of HeartCast Media. Um, you might have found us before on the Molly and Jen show. You know, we've definitely uh, done some videos and stuff together in the past. Uh, but just given the times that we're in, we thought that it'd be great to bring her back on. So, hey. Hey. What's so up, How are you doing today? You know, it's uh, it's actually a nice day, right? The sun is out. There's some, uh, you know, blue skies, some clouds in the sky. It's it's a it's a nice day. It's a little dark in here. Excuse me. You have to come over on Friday and help light lighten up this lighten up this room. There you go. At least I got the sound going, right? Much better. Much so better. much better. TBT to the days when we were in your studio, but it's okay. That's what we're going to talk about today: the remote life, the remote studios, the how to create content, how to stay digitally connected in a, oh God, I'm so sick of saying the virtual world that we live in, but it's still been eight months and hasn't changed. So it is what it is. Yeah. Now we're in the new normal, right? Yeah. So um, Molly, can you give us, could you have the, uh, for the some of the audience members who don't know you, um, can you give us just a little background on your journey uh, as an entrepreneur and really change maker and community builder? Yeah, sure. I um, I have owned a multimedia company for the last twenty years, uh, creating community through art, music, and culture. So, or supporting community, not creating. Uh, and I was primarily focused on music, hyper local to Washington D.C., but lots of productions, large scale events, uh, producing a lot of music, a lot of artists. You know, just really being involved uh, from top to bottom. Uh, from idea to broadcast, if you will, depending on the, the medium. So um, I've spent 20 years elevating and amplifying voices. So, um, you know, for me, the transition to focusing primarily on podcasts was a pretty natural move because that's what I've been doing is elevating and amplifying voices. So uh, now I'm just doing it in a slightly different arena. I feel like the stakes are higher. Uh, there's more at play right now with, you know, the, uh, you know, last four years with our government, just everything that's happened. I really felt the need to um, support voices that could reach a larger platform and have more impact, you know, globally. Uh, and so that that's what HeartCast Media does. I love that. And, you know, speaking to just the podcast industry in general and content in general, right? We're in such a content overload world, right? And, you know, while there's the Joe Rogan's podcast or, you know, Amy Schumer in, in, or the Gary V's, right? Gary V's and Joe Rogan, in, in my opinion, really were at the forefront and they were able to capture that particular audience. But now, you know, everyone's creating a podcast or everyone's creating videos or everyone's just doing what they're seeing as the trend and latest, right? So how, you know, in the evolvement of the podcast industry, you know, where I've seen at least is that we're going more micro than macro. Like I'm trying to cover a niche rather than, you know, the whole country. So I was just curious if you could share with the audience your opinion on that. I mean, I think that not everybody is meant to be a content creator and like the spaghetti method works for a lot of things, but like you have to have a game plan. So if you're just like filming videos and putting them on LinkedIn and putting them out, but you don't have a game plan, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's just like marketing, right? Like a podcast is an extension of marketing. It's an additional way to have a voice. And if you have a large company and you're trying to convey a specific message, you don't just throw Instagram posts up all willy nilly. You have a content calendar, you map it out, you base it on what's going on in the company 
what's going on in the world, what holidays there are, like you have a game plan. And so I think that uh, people really need to have a specific plan and, a, and an end result. Like what are they trying to reverse engineer? Because I think a lot of times people have, you know, FOMO, right? They see other people having podcasts and then they're like, oh, I should have a podcast. We should have a podcast. Let's do a podcast. But they don't really have a clear vision on it. And then they start and they realize how much work it is and then they fade out. So what happens is, you know, in life, there's muscles that you exercise, right? And you don't want to exercise the wrong one. And starting things and not finishing them is one of them. So that's why 70% of podcasts, like, don't make it past seven episodes. So even though it appears to be a noisy market, it's actually not because most people don't stick with it. So if you have a game plan and, like, some longevity and and a game plan, I mean, I can't stress that enough, then you have a significant chance of standing out from the rest because it's not that large of an audience or a, a market when you really boil down. I think it's like 92% of podcasts on Anchor didn't make it past one episode. Which is crazy. It's kind yeah. of like the 99% of businesses fail sort of model, which are like, okay, I mean, <laughs> that's that one way to... <sighs> you know what? I'm going to go to the Google machine because that's like what people always say. <laughs> yeah. How many businesses fail? I mean, I know like restaurants have really bad numbers, but like Jesus, 99, that's terrifying. Oh, data shows BLS that approximately 20% of new businesses failed during the first two years, 45 during the first five years and 65 during the first 10 years. Jesus. For some reason, that might, that might have been a fake news stat, but... I, you know, someone said that someone probably it was a dramatic statement, like yeah. scaring people to start businesses. Which I like, mean, That's, those are still pretty high numbers. Like, those are pretty high numbers. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. It's kind of like, you know, you go and talk to some people who have that classic. And this goes to the whole idea of the podcast. It's like that the classic model of how a business operates. Right. You know, you you start off, maybe you get investors, then you hire employees and they're full time. And then you just scale, 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 and then you become an Amazon. Quite right. frankly, that's not necessarily the model of how things always work these days. We're in a gig economy. Right. Um, and if you look at an Uber, they scaled really, I mean, of course they have employees, but I mean, their model of how make, it, making money, we're operating on a W9. So it's kind of thinking outside the box. Now, mm -hmm. same with a podcast where you have that first episode, the, co the companies who are thinking outside the box, potentially might do that one episode and just be doing it because they think that they have to be doing it. Right. Right. But that's not going to succeed and you need to be consistent about it. You have to be patient about it and you have to be intentional about what the podcast is. As you know, you've come through my journey of, you know, my probably going back and forth, dose your future, the influencer collective show to, you know, whatever, but I believe there's an intention behind it, but then working with you and your team to be that other side of the genius to help kind of move it forward and be like, okay, if you're going to do this, then this is the way that you need to do it. And this is the type of, um, you know, content or messaging you should be putting out around it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a lot of moving parts, right? Just like anything. If you want to do anything in business, even running a Facebook ad or creating a YouTube ad, like it's hard. It's not like you, you, you know, that's why split A-B testing works because half of your stuff ain't going to work. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't know what's going to hit, what's not. And so there's always a constant process of adaptation, right? Understanding uh, and just really dialing in onto your message and your, and your goals, your long-term goals. Like what do you really want to accomplish? Yeah. And, and something also to talk about um, as well is, you know, 
of course, what are your long-term goals? What do you want to accomplish? But in regards to the actual act of the podcast, so you know, as we know, we used to go into a studio, right? Paying rent, you know, we're seeing this with a lot of companies that they're moving virtual. I, I think the idea it's great to have maybe a option for people to go in, but there's no need for this huge square footage of an office anymore. Same no. thing for a podcast studio. It's nice to have potentially the option, particularly if like, but more of that is like a remote studio versus like always operating and paying, you know, and, right. and, and paying that maybe it's like more of a co-working space for a podcast rather than you as the sole owner of it yeah. are paying that rent. I mean, honestly, like the smartest thing to do would be to like buy an RV and like sound treat the hell out of it and just live in it or move around it or, or turn it as a promotional thing. Because, yeah, I mean, paying brick and mortar rent in any major city and especially in co-working spaces, their rent tables are offensive. It is. And it's just a, don't get me started with that. But again, I'm not commercial real estate. Right. Um, but, you know, it's funny because a couple of years ago, I don't know, two years ago, year and a half, who knows yeah. by this time, but we did come up with the concept of a RV model, you know, and now, you know, where people are at home, they're getting used to being at home. They're not going to want to schlep to a studio, but the people who are maybe these figures who do want that high quality will come to you, you know, throw in a makeup artist if you want in there for right. an hour or whatever and have them come inside the mobile studio because right. you know it comes to you now is that something i you know the influencer collective wants to take on with heartcast maybe right. but you know i don't i think it just really depends on the model but people are seeing that they right. they need to be doing that and i do think that is the future if it's not here already yeah i mean i think we just got to get through this second wave of the pandemic because it's coming fast and furious you know uh, it's going to be a dark and cold winter. And so I think the smart thing to do is just like hunker down, buckle down, focus on your family and your work and like get yourself set up for spring and then just see what happens next. Right. Because I think, you know, and I, and I was on this panel like a week or two ago and I was talking about this and one of my clients was on actually Jeff was on the panel and Tim O'Toole from Miller and Chevalier. And I was saying like, you know, it was such a bummer to like get rid of that studio. Like it sucked. I mean, I was there for exactly a year. Well, 11 months. I mean, I furnished it. Like, I mean, I loved that space. And then to like Same. pack it all up and have to leave, it was devastating. But I knew it was the right thing. And, and this was in April and people were looking at me like, are you crazy? Like, you're not going to wait. And of course, my landlord, I mean, I'm pretty sure in hindsight, I've given it a lot of thought. It's a nonprofit. So I'm pretty sure my rent directly paid her salary, which is why she was not willing to like come off at all. And she kept telling me like, no, 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 just wait until June. Just wait. Like, no, that's more money. That's thousands of dollars more money. Dollars. Like for you to speculate with my fucking liabilities, like, and I'm telling you, it's either my staff or your rent because everything like the first month of the pandemic, nothing happened. Nobody was doing anything like I was like, I don't even know if I have a business. I don't think anybody knew if they had a business at that point. <laughs> and then like, you know, 45 days into it, I started getting calls again. We started getting busy. But in that first stretch, it was just like, we're not making any money. I can't just keep paying your rent in right. hopes that it's going to change. And thank God I made that call and people were hitting me up like, yo, are you okay? That sucks about your business. I'm like, no, 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 don't be fooled. My business is good. I'm just not paying rent anymore, you know? And so 
I was talking about, you know, what a bummer it was to leave, but at the same time, like our audio, you know, recording sound really good. Like when people are using the right mics and like doing things right, like it sounds super good. I listen to my podcast, you know, that Matt engineers all the times, like my client's podcast. I listen to them on iTunes and they sound super good, right? And now my clients don't have to drive to DuPont. They don't have to pay to park in DuPont. They don't have to worry about their window getting smashed out on Sunderland because literally like every week, every like three yeah. car windows were smashed out on that like rich block, right? So I'd have to tell my clients, oh, don't park over here or your window will get smashed. Like what, you know what I mean? Like, and then all of this for all this rent and like tiptoeing around. And so, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to go back because I think my clients appreciate that. And my client chimed in and he said, Molly, you're absolutely right. Like not having to take three hours to do an hour long podcast is money. Like they it's just turn so on their true. computer. Like no, they can spend all their time prep preparing instead of traveling into DuPont Circle to look for parking for 25 minutes. I mean, and, and here's the thing. I, th I thought it was pretty kind of cool with like the luxury of like having someone come into a studio and, you know, you took a picture and all this stuff. Frankly, like that was nice, but was it worth three hours of the day? Like, you know, I remember for me, even though it was a, you know, hop, scoop and a jump, couple blocks uh, up the street, it was still a to do, you know, now. It's still a thing. You have to stop what you're doing, like, you know. And I've been able to bang out so much more content you know, host a show for a client, host another show, host this show and pop on, pop off, be done. And it's, it's 10 times easier. And quite frankly, it sounds great. And if you can just get the right backgrounds, give advice. I mean, that's what we're just going to be seeing more and more of mm -hmm. now, you know, we could, you know, I'll probably eventually start having clients in here since you're going to be tricking, helping me trick this place out to, but again, that's like, if it's necessary, and but is it necessary? Not for the least you six know? months, as far as I'm concerned. Totally. Cause people and are still really weird about it too. Like, even if they're like, okay, it's cool. Like everyone's going to be like, I don't, I'm going to just like put my toe in the water, you know, I'm not I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that liability. I like, I just don't want that liability and neither does other businesses. And you know, people, it's it's interesting though because I mean the the spring was kind of a blur for me. Having 100%. said that, like I in I, I was not in denial that this thing was going to be ending anytime soon. Right. I've always been saying it's a marathon, not a sprint, and we're adapting more. But I think that people are. I, I was just on a call with a client in France, and. You know, as Americans, sometimes not going on a rant here. As Americans, we are just so, like, self, like, centered. Isolated. In a, yeah, ice. Like, we're not like really. We're paying attention. We're not paying attention to other things going on in the world. And like, if you look at the trends and everything, you know, Europe shut down first, and then we shut down, and then now France is shut down. You know, it's it's they have a day off tomorrow. You know, it's a holiday, but my client was like, I'm not even sure if, you know, I, I, I could go outside. Like they can't, they're shut down. Yeah. And they have to get permission to like leave their house and stuff. Yeah. Right. And so I, again, winter's coming and I'm not sure what America's going to do about it. But, uh, just to your point, it's like, I think at least we can do this without being in shock. So we can be productive, like as a workforce still, but people need to like really understand, you know, what is to come and like, how are you going to plan ahead? How are you going to still build meaningful relationships with your clients or with partners or with the community? And I was on a call 
um, with some other bigger corporations. And, you know, for us as two smaller business owners, we can pivot quickly, right? Like pivot quickly, change it up, you know, be in South Carolina, not South Carolina, North Carolina, I mean, running a podcast studio and company literally. Um, but other big corporations, you know, they're, they're, we were talking like, Oh, what's your plan for the winter? They're like, Oh, you know, like, hopefully we can still maybe do some like rooftop happy hours. I was like, where, where that's not, I, I, I don't see that happening. Like, I was like, we should, you should just do a series of virtual, like you should do a podcast or a roundtable series because then you're having small conversations with people and not right. just trying to have a big virtual event with hundreds of people in an awkward zoom chat. For sure. And then also, you know, accessibility is a thing, right? And too, like not everybody can afford to travel to big conventions. Not everybody can afford to do these things. Like making everything virtual makes it an even playing field for a lot more people. And it makes it a lot more accessible. Like even if I can afford to go to Orlando again, you know, for crying out loud, do oh I gosh, want was- to? No, yeah. man, I'm sick of going. Can we have a convention in like San Diego? Like Ireland? Like, like, can we go, can they start doing them there instead of Orlando? Because like, I I went to Orlando twice in 2019. That was thousands of dollars. You know, by the time you factor in the flight, the Uber, the hotel room, the dumb expensive food, the Uber back, the Uber from the airport. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's you know 1500 bucks easily for like 3 days, right? Like which makes no, which makes no sense and then plus the conference thing. And that's the whole thing. That's why the events right. industry, you know, so you know the um DevOps conference that I've worked on for a couple of years, all day DevOps was like ahead of the game. They were like, you don't need, everyone should have access to this content and you should be able to access it from on demand, from the comfort of your office or home because it, it is such an inflated industry. And hence the reason why the pivot with digitally though, how we've been like, all right, well, I moved to the mountains for a couple of months and still produce podcasts and probably like need to work a little my sound. You moved and like we can still operate and streamline and save money and still build meaningful connections. And I think when we think about like the new normal and post COVID is that yes, eventually we'll be vaccinated and we can go and travel again. People are not going to want to because they're going to realize the money that they're saving on not doing that anymore. Trade mm-hmm. shows. And then people Dumb. are like, we'll still have, to, it just doesn't make sense. No. Cause I mean, if you think about like, I went to Orlando twice in one year, that's like 1500 bucks each time. That's three K like, dude, you could go to Greece and like ball out for a week and like, and have an amazing time for $3,000, probably longer. $3,000. You could stay for a month in some countries, depending on how resourceful you are and to spend all that money just to like go do biz, like to go, like to go to a, like. It's, I'm not even getting clients out of it. I mean, hopefully you get some clients, but like, it's not like I'm going there to like sign a contract with a client. It's like, you're going yeah, there right. to be around other people who like the same stuff. It's like really elitist in its form. And it's like terrible on fossil fuels. Like we went to Expo West, like both of us were like, get me out. I, I like, I still like shiver whenever I think about Expo West and all that uh, signing and uh, all that branding same. and just same. like, and then you're standing in like a place for hours and it's like, what's the point? I mean, I understand like from a, like the investor Wall Street finance world, like if you're going to sign a huge deal, maybe you want to go like see the person, whatever. But most likely you're going to make that deal anyways if you have that capital. So like, let's just keep it moving. And like how much trash does it create and all that? I think we're, I think it's, um, 
like I watched this show called The Hookup Plan on Netflix. It's like they're in Fran in France, and so it's all like subtitles and stuff. And they did like a special quarantine edition, and it was like exaggerated versions of everyone. But like one girl started like baking cakes, and then she was like, "I'm never showering again. We're using too many fossil fuels." She like went off the deep end, and then like the other girl was like in her house, afraid to leave. And I feel like it's like a pretty accurate. Like I think we're all coming to Jesus or terms, whatever, with like how wasteful we are and how much oh, we've taken yeah. for granted. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think that, like, yeah, a lot of these industries, like, when things start to level out, they're going to have this spotlight on them and people are going to just choose not to participate. It's like, nah, man, well, I'm not going and, to Orlando. And here's another thing, too, is that I was actually having this conversation the other day and, um, and you know, you saw what happened when China shut down of like, and all the manufacturing shut down and like how the, if you looked at the, the like the global warming map and it, okay, you take a shorter shower, totally go for it. Use glass bottles, like do it, <laughs> right, right, right? You know, like fine. Recycle, reduce, reuse, all the things, like get it right. in, yeah. But what's really actually significant is we should be talking to these corporations. Like right. the corporations are the ones who are really producing all of this waste and that's more sustain. How could you be more sustainable as a company and not necessarily as a, I mean, as a person, of course, but like you or I individual, we're not making, we're not changing the, the, the overall private sector, the ones changing all this stuff. And it's just called efficiency. I mean, the fossil fuels with planes. I mean, if we can just be more efficient, not having to fly everywhere, right. there's these old models of business that are just not going to survive because they weren't built they, to survive. They weren't built. Yeah. They weren't sustainable. Right. Like, and if there's any lesson I learned from, having a company that didn't succeed. It was a 10 year old company. And I mean, we had some success, but it wasn't sustainable. So it was never truly successful, right? Like, and that's the lesson. If it's not sustainable, it will never be successful, period, period, you know? And so much about how we live as people on this planet is not sustainable. Oil, like, what are we doing? Like the sun is beating down on us all day. Like, why are we drilling from the ground? Like, and it's not sustainable. So you have to do something else. You know, you're like, I, and I've been watching like some space shows too. And like, you know, kind of how that's all like the, like the future of that and kind of watching like the Elon Musk's of the world, which, you know, of course we're decades, like probably a while away from some of this stuff, but at the same time, like that's where we really need to go. But that's like thinking more sustainability in the future, whether it works, some of the technology is testing out, it's probably not going to work right now, right. but like he's testing it out. And the whole thing is that, am I ever, if I, am I nervous about the influencer collective? No, because I will keep up and stay ahead of the ever-changing technology. Podcasts right. are here and we're, we've evolved to be a podcast production digital asset strategy firm. Right. For now, right. then- you see what else is going to happen, and then you just you hop onto the next train. But you don't stay stuck drilling holes into the ground for oil when oil is so yesterday. Okay, right. I'm not right. using an example. I'm not saying oil is so yesterday. I still put that in my cat. I, I, I use the gas. I like that's a great quote. Yeah. Oil is but, so yesterday. You but know, it but it's true. You know, it's it's true. And people are still driving cars with gas. But if you want to survive long term. You need to optimize. And that's basically how you've created a lean model. So when you talk to people or people are like, well, so what's your scalability? You know, what's your margins from year to year? My margins are I'm still in business and I'm almost four years old. So 
You can take that back to business school. And I've been operating with no W-2s. Right. So like take a chapter out of that book. Okay. So, but my point is, is that we're, we're so like, there's people are so taught lit, like in a linear way that it's like, there's no thinking, not like outside the box, but not thinking like, what does that gig economy look like? What is, and, and there's so much catching up that needs to be done. Netflix didn't happen overnight. Right. But Netflix was ahead of the game. And then mm-hmm. Netflix now is like, you see, you I think of tiers, you know, the monopolies of the world, like the Amazon, Googles, Facebooks. But then you have like the um, Spotify and the Net- and Netflix, I'm sure will probably get on some kind of podcast train because, you know, whatever, all these people are now trying to acquire oh, all are. these podcasts. They're, yeah, They're going to take the audio and like rip them. And yeah, it's a whole. So. And so now they just get confusing, right? So my prediction is I'm like confused. I go on Netflix and like, I need to, if someone tells me to watch a show these days, I'm just like, what platform, you know, like, where do I find it? Like, it's such a, it's not, it's such a conglomerate mess of content that now we're seeing niche platforms come right. out around specific topics. So that if I want to watch only shows around social impact, let's say I would go to the social impact network. Right, which is kind of like, okay, so Jesus, my best friend, partner, roommate, he only watches the Red Bull channel. And like, it's on 24 hours a day, Jen. Like, you know, not right now, he's at work, but I'm just saying, like, you could turn it on right now and there's content. Like, Red Bull has created so much and it's all like surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, you know, flying around in those like air suits, whatever. Like it's all that like type of stuff. And it's just crazy, but it's honestly really interesting. Like I love watching surfing videos cause I'm obsessed with giant waves. Like it takes my breath away. And like, you could turn it on right now. Like it makes me wonder like how many millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars has, has Red Bull, right? An energy drink company invested in filmmakers, creatives. Like they have the Red Bull, like, uh, academy or like studio house of house of art in Detroit and all over the place where they take like eight artists and they give them like six grand and three months and they give them a space to work and see what they can create. Like Red Bull has dumped so much money into that. But like, if that's what you like to do, you could just literally watch Red Bull TV all day, every day and like not ever have to change the channel. And that's pretty brilliant. Like, honestly, like, I don't know what they're over under is i don't know how they flush that out they must be making dumb money off of red bull but like it's insane how many races they've sponsored how much content they've created remember when they did like the b-boy like stuff and they were at the warner theater like we were a part of that like break dancers oh, yeah, and shit yeah, yeah. they they've been you know but that's the whole thing though is like people then just will like because then you have a brand like a red bull if you love red bull and you're like oh they produce content i'm just gonna put on the red bull channel and they it's all niche. So then it's like, we're living in the post cable network world, but in like a conglomerate of like the big companies. I mean, of course, Amazon's going to create Amazon prime. All these big companies are just trying to add these things on because we already already have a subscription might as well just like add on TV to it or whatever and take this content. But I I truly think that they're all going to be playing in the big boy sandbox together. And we're going to be playing in the other sandbox of let's create, these different smaller networks where, okay, perhaps, you know, and then you have like the Axios of the world, which really just focuses, it's different. I wouldn't really put the Axios because that's like news policy. Like let's put them in, let's put them in the sandbox with Fox. Like they're more of like the post news media network, not the post cable network. So 
I think that what we're going to start seeing is big boys going to keep playing, try to acquire, like fight over the next, you know, uh, fight over the next uh, big stranger thing show. Fine. But then what will be more so creating is like this medium of like, if you want to just go binge watch these like types of topics, go here. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that was kind of the initial motivation with Harcast was to create a social impact podcast platform. Um, which I think is still a fantastic idea, but I think that you have to have some money to do that. I think you have to already have found some success and then branch off and start that. But to start a business that way without funding, it's impossible. Well, right. Because at the same time too, it's kind of like you need that high quality production behind it as well. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. and when I say high quality production, I mean like partners that like can be really producing to that next level. And the thing is, is that, is it, is it, is it not possible? No, of course it's possible. But at the same time, it's like, we need to do it right. And what is that? Like, what does that look like? And I think that we're seeing, you know, Google's overwhelming, YouTube's overwhelming, Instagram's overwhelming, Facebook's overwhelming. We want to like move away from that. So like, what is that like kind of what, you know, that's why the gaming world is such an interesting world to look Mm -hmm. at because you have all these different micro communities in the gaming world and you can just, I mean, I played Animal Crossing for like two months in the queue. Okay. And I mean, who knew that I would get hooked to it? Like, I remember at one point I was like on calls and I was like literally like going to get turnips from another island. I never thought I would be in that world. Even my sister-in-law, we would play on Sundays for hours. My brother would get so mad because we would just be on our Nintendo Switches. I had the light. Um, and But it was fascinating because that exists within the gaming world because the gaming world does have these micro communities oh, within yeah. it. Um, but how is that, like, how could we turn that into, you know, this uh, these other types of micro communities within this, these different types of content that people are consuming, but also creating their own little networks as well. That's not necessarily, you know, LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook groups. Well, and that's what it is. It's like more based on like direct interest, right? Because when you're on these other platforms, you're just shoveled all this other shit. Like I really can't handle LinkedIn anymore. There's so many like white evangelical, like men on there, just like shoveling all kinds of nonsense and Trump loving stuff. And you're like, you know, and the other I, side. Okay. I'm just saying like, and the other side, there's and, both sides on there. There's just a lot of talking heads. And, but I'm not there for any of that. Like, I'm well, of not course there not. For the, no, you know, neither am like, I. I'd go no, to Facebook not. for that crap. Like, I don't care what you think. And like, you know, um, and then of course it just upsets you because you see somebody make a post about like all lives matter. And then it gets like 2000 likes. And then of course, LinkedIn's serving it to more people because it's just, it's this like whole game, you know, and I feel like if you with Red Bull, right? Like you're just going to go watch surfing videos, man. Like, yeah. you know and, what you're going to yep. get. Yep. And so, but that's also if you think about the future, right? You know, you have the baby booms, you have the Gen Xers, you have the millennials, then there's Gen Zers. Okay. We have a, a wave coming and they're already here in the workforce. What do they want to see? Um, not, they're not on Facebook. Even millennials are getting off of Facebook. I'm only on it because I have to be for my job and like I, but people are moving away. Where are they going to move to these micro communities? The Gen Zers are completely all over the gaming world. Like that's where they want to go and they want the Red Bull channel. You know, they want that. And that's, 
in my opinion, really, what's that next network? You know, what's that next network for the next generation? Well, you know, it's so crazy. So this gaming thing, it's really deep. So when I was in having surgeries on my neck between 2006, 2009, I got really into this game called Mobster Boss. And don't judge me too. I mean, you can judge me. I, I'm not a, judge. I, was, little, I was playing, oh no, I I was playing even, Animal Crossing. I haven't even, yeah, true that. I take that back. You, um, you can't judge me either. But uh, it was a turn-based game. So it was all text. It was an MMORPG, massive multiplayer, online, whatever, whatever. It was like no graphics. Uh, but it was like a $1,500 jackpot. And the game restarted every 10 days. And then you bought turns to like build more defensive units or build more. And so people would spend dumb money and the jackpot would get up to like $20,000 sometimes, like real, real like money, real money, that's dope. real money. Right. And so I was playing this game with like people from all over the world, like Cyprus, like Iran, Detroit. I mean, literally like all over the world. Like I have friends in like Denmark and shit. Right. And so I played this game and I got really, really into it. And I just like wreaked havoc and I would run around and like hit people's banks in the game. Like I, I'd be on Skype calls with people and they'd be like, I'm going to fucking kill you. It was great. Like, but I formed <laughs> friendships on that game and I stopped playing that game. I mean, I was in the middle of surgeries and I was home, so I didn't really have a community. And this was before Facebook. So it was like, these were people that I was on a team with, right? Like I was engaging with them on a team platform. I was communicating with them like daily. We had to work as a team to get things done, you know, to max the bank, like all this stuff, you know? And, and then I stopped playing the game, but I'm still friends with those people. Like my friend Glenn, who passed away this summer, I met him on the game. He became like a father to me. My friend Nathan Cowan from Detroit, funniest dude I know, I met him on the game. My friend from Denmark, who's like invited me to come live there whenever I'm sick of America, I met on the game. I mean, I can't tell you how many people... And like that okay. stupid little game, but like those people are like family to me now. And I think what it is, it's that combined shared goal when you're playing a game right whether it's mobster boss or whatever these games are online you're like on the headset you're like talking shit with each other you're communicating you're like oh is your mom yelling at you again like there's a whole you know you have like you have some frustrating times you have some wins some losses but there's camaraderie there and there's a sense of connection and i think ultimately that's what people are so hungry for right now and the gaming world provides that plus you can yep. also just like tune everything else out like you have a special chair for gaming and shit like you know like monitors and you can just fully embrace yourself and there's some mental health benefits to that there's it's a slippery slope right you can go too far but at the same time like you know who who doesn't want to check out a little bit right and go hang out with friends and have fun and have an adrenaline oh, rush yeah. and like a hundred percent there's definitely so many benefits to that as well as long as it you don't you don't live in that you know, second life, right. right? Like there was that big, you know, that I think it's still advice where you literally live in a second life. And, like, yeah. You just you, like, don't go out of your, um, your home for which ever, is, which is great during what'd you call it? The queue. I love how every Q. time I talk to you, you have a new abbreviation for the, what'd you call the it? Pan the, 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 the pan yeah, the the pan and the queue. The pan and the queue. I mean, I still think we're, I mean, I've evolved. Like when I first got back, I was still like, I was like, I'm in the queue, but people were like, Jen, you're so many months behind. Like we've been in DC as like, we've been opening up and like you haven't been. So <laughs> right. like, you're okay. Like touching an elevator button is not going to give you COVID, right. you know? So I've gotten better. It, I think though? it, frankly, don't get put that on my mind because <laughs> I've come a really long way since coming back out of the queue. Actually though, that was like the lockdown. I yeah. was in the L I was in the L I was in the LD LD like Larry <laughs> David. And, um, 
And so, I mean, I think it will, I mean, Animal Crossing was beneficial, right? I mean, I, it was a great way to bond. Yeah. Great way to bond with my sister Right. Which is like the buzzword of of 2020. Right. Right. And I'm embarrassed to even go like, I can't even touch my Nintendo switch because I'm embarrassed that like one time I hopped on and you know, my house, like I've obviously expanded it all the way, you know, like, but she like, she like came out of the house. There's all these weeds all over my Island and her hair looks messed up. And like, I just, there's no turning back at this point. Like I either have to like, I just, and frankly, it was not this a good is, use of my time. This is terrible. Now I want to play Animal Crossing to go save so your abandoned you're gonna village. You're going to get hooked. At, not, I'm telling you, it was good when business was a little like, like I had my tasks every single day, but like mm-hmm. I like knew that there wasn't like a lot of business development coming in since people right. were like, what day is it? Right. But I wouldn't recommend it now. Um, <laughs> it's not a good, it, no, 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 you get hooked. Yeah, and like, then I got I'm a little like, two dots addiction yeah, going there, yeah. like, you know, and on my I'm like, iPad at night. Yeah, I, had yeah. A, I used to have like, like not dates, but like hangouts with yeah. like my friend Comedy Molly, she was hooked. And so we would have a FaceTime like date on a Sunday and be playing together and visiting Child's, Child's Islands and like That's running around, like, like recording, like run, chasing each other. And like, it was just, it was interesting to say the least, but it was a good time. And I now understand the gaming world. Um, it's yeah, it's awesome. So malls, what's kind of like, what are you thinking? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the future look like? I think we can like say we have an idea what the future is going to look like. Honestly, I, I mean, the future of media is podcasting. I'm hundred percent convinced on that. Um, I think it's going to be interesting though, right? Like, are you hip to parlor? No, that's like, that's your side. Like I am, but I'm not, you know? Okay, well, Parlor, that's not my side, just to be clear, people who are listening. But Parlor is like, it came out in 2018 when QAnon first came out. And it's like all the right wing people are running from Twitter because they're like getting banned and they're like, oh, freedom of speech. And so they created this other network called Parlor. And it's literally just like Trump supporters and people like making threats for, I mean, it's just a bunch of dumb people is what it is, you know? Literally, they're no, they're like making like I'm gonna run those people over with my car. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm not like a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure you shouldn't put that shit in writing. Fucking idiot. But anyway, like that's the, you're you the know only I mean? person who's on my podcast. that's allowed to curse. OK, sorry. Well, sorry, people. No, you no, can always okay. no, blur me out. Mo- John. It's Molly, you're fine. But like okay. it just really, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, never mind the, the lack of integrity and morals to like make death threats to strangers. But then to put it in writing on the Internet, it's like you, you, you can't reason with these people, but they've created this platform and now they're all flocking over there and they're like we're gonna crash twitter's ipo and jack dorsey's gonna lose all this money i'm like they're not gonna lose any money off your conspiracy asses like keep it moving head on over to parlor but like it's it it brings up this question of like their whole thing is unrelated unregulated and so this is this is the crux i've been thinking about this nonstop since yesterday like we need to have a place where like we get politics out money out of politics and we need to get the like money out of the media because that is so skewed right well exactly and that's exactly what it is where it's like that's and to your point okay they're going over there and parloring but that's the spinoff that we're gonna see more and more of now because yes but it's dangerous because it's completely unregulated so they're posting things that are just full-on not true you know what I'm saying? And there is no regulation. I could go over there and say the most 
hateful things in the world and nobody would ban my account, nothing. I mean, I could say like really outright hateful things that if I said it on Facebook, they would ban me. They well, would course, block me within a day. But that's the whole thing. You know? That's the whole thing about the internet and what you can and cannot do. And that's where like the, you know, FCC is going to have to catch up. Well, Having said that, they're the going thing. after the Facebooks all the time and giving and, and hitting them on the head where it's like, maybe if you just weren't so, maybe Facebook's being controlled in some sense by them. But at the same time, like if you can't have like the freedom of the speech or, or in some regard you can speak to on Facebook, it's going to get regulated. Then we're creating a monster that's out of control. So well, that's the thing because who's regulating parlor. And then now lots of those things can come up and then talk about misinformation and like the spreading of, you know, just bad information is really dangerous for public health, wealth and safety, right? Like in general. So it really is interesting. It begs the question, like who's going to regulate that? And is, is the media right now regulated at all? Because like no, Fox News, not. they can say whatever the hell they want, whether it's true or not. And don't get me wrong. The left does it too. That's why I hate all the headlines. They're like Trump ate a baby. And you're like, I know that's not true. Like, I'm sure he did something terrible, but can you stop talking to us? Like we're all idiots. Like I don't need sensationalized headlines. Just tell me the news, man. Just tell me what's happening. Like enough with this. Like, I can't believe any of it anymore. So I'm excited about what the democratization of media and information looks like, but it's also kind of terrifying because it also means that you know, if the FCC can't regulate Facebook, then like that's you think the they're going to be able to regulate then, Parler and all these well, other pop-up fringe you, QAnon. You have a very old-school institution called the government trying to operate digital transformation and media <laughs> platforms with billions of people on it, and internationally. I mean, have freaking fun guys and then you have the spinoffs <laughs> happening on the side then you know then you have lawyers you know it's just it's it's you know for me i'm like uh like i said big sandbox right little sandbox yeah little to medium sandbox and i would love to stay in my little media sandbox yeah. i don't need to become the spotify no no, no. let's just Not me. A little media spotify sale. if you're listening you can totally buy me i am for sale 100 percent. but yeah i hear you well not yet um, but anyway, this has been <laughs> awesome. So is there any other, I don't, I, we could go on for two hours, but I know, I don't know in the, in the pan, if we can keep people for two hours, unless I start singing and doing comedy and you start, you know, beatboxing, whatever, you know, jazzing <laughs> beatboxing. around. Beatboxing. Don't, don't put me in that. I don't, that I don't, corner. that just literally came off the, that's how the, that was like off the tip of my tongue. That was not like, yeah. <laughs> so malls, is there anything, where can people find you? You know, what's the deal? I mean, I feel like I give you love almost like every single day on our socials. So, I mean, people should know you, but they just should. tell them if not. Well, uh, heartcastmedia.com, our website. I love my website. Spend a lot of time on that. Um, just to make it really clear what we do, we produce podcasts, we record audiobooks and produce audiobooks, and we build websites. Uh, we also build online courses for people. So anything related to content. And uh, I'm actually about to roll out a new one, uh, a new package service for YouTube channel creation and like brand building, because I recognize that a lot of people are like, I want to start a YouTube channel and I know what I want to talk about, but that's like all I have. And so like providing the, you know, filming and the editing and the optimization of the YouTube channel and the branding and all the back end metadata. I mean, it's just like building a website or building a podcast, right? It's a new form. So uh, really, we're just focused on audio and video, uh, you know, digital content. Uh, and I love talking with people. I, li I like brainstorming stuff. I love doing public speaking and talking about all of this stuff. So um, if anybody wants to hit me up, you know, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, which is like the most depressing thing I've ever said in my life. And um, <laughs> 
But Here's my real. business card. I'm like, yeah. Um, I used to be cool people, I swear. But uh, yeah, man, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, you know, um, heartcastmedia.com, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the Twitter, all the things. I don't think we have a Pinterest account, but you know. I, like, I don't know. Pinterest no. is like, Pinterest is still alive, but it's like not like, I don't really promote it. Well, this has been amazing. Malls, uh, always good to talk with you. Uh, you I am excited for all the things to come and our continued partnership. I'm your host, Jen Sherman of the Influencer Collective Show. You can subscribe to the Influencer Collective Show on iTunes, Spotify, our YouTube channel, which Molly is helping with redoing so it can look sexy. Um, check out our website, influencercollectivedc.com, which also Boom. Molly's team uh, put together, developed, love. Hey. Uh, we have some nice new vibes and uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. When you call to see me, baby, tell me Did you enjoy the jingle? That song is called Luxury and it's by me, Kat Janice. Find me on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever you get your tunes to hear my newest single, Luxury. It's a luxury. Yeah.